top, Moshe. We pray your hand upon Moshe and Larry. God is king, we the soldiers. Ultra beam out the solar. When I get to heaven's gates, I ain't gotta peek over. Keeping perfect composure. When I scream at the chauffeur, I ain't mean I'm just focused. I ain't mean I'm just focused. Put a lean out slower. Got us clean out of soda. Before the flood, people judge. They did the same thing to Noah. Everybody wanted Yandy. The Jesus Christ did the laundry. They say that we start on Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. Won't be in bondage to any man. John 833. We the descendants of Abraham. Yea, should be made free. John 836. To whom the Son set free is free indeed. He say the rich like Jesus Christ did the laundry? Who is that guy? Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are in Revelation chapter 13 and we are going to be seeing who the one with the numbering is. We shall hopefully discover more about that today. All of you in the chat, Shabbat Shalom and enjoy the fellowship. And remember, go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect to make those connections with one another as you are scattered and being gathered out there in the nations. And please do subscribe to the channel. Give us some thumbs up and thanks again for blessing us on this Sabbath. And we pray that this teaching is a blessing unto you. Let's dig right into Revelation chapter 13. And we are here standing upon the sand of the sea, standing upon the sand of the sea. And we saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast, which I saw, it was like a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. So the two beasts... And we're still kind of in this visionary state in the apocalypse. And it's really an interlude and a lull between the seven trumpets and the outpouring of the seven bowls. Now, the seventh trumpet, it brought us to the last days of the age where the fog in the glass begins to clear. You start to see clarity. You start to see things unfolding before you all around the world. And like we were just discussing in our opening prayer before we went live, the kings of the earth, they cannot see the manifold wisdom of Yahweh. It is hidden to them. Oh, they perceive and believe that they know all things and all laws and all things. But what has been hidden from them is made manifest to the saints. We see. 
And now the glass becomes clearer. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then, when? Then, panaim el panaim, face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. So if, if, we're in that last age, which I believe that we are, then it must be characterized by two things. Number one, the outpouring of divine judgments, which is the seven bowls. And number two, the judgment on a rebellious, wicked civilization. Babylon. Mystery Babylon. You see, we have another visitation of the beast here who came out earlier in the visions of Daniel chapter 7 and a lot earlier that was. But then also we just saw it in chapter 11 in the visions there in verse 7 in particular. And when they shall have finished their testimony, speaking of the two witnesses back then, the beast that ascendeth up out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Right now, prophetically, I believe we're in this time of the wearing down of the saints. Okay? It's about trying to wear down the saints. This is the most important time for us to be in the word of Yahuwah, to be in prayer, to be in fasting, and to be in community. Whether that's digital like this is of great value. Some people say, oh, it's not really community, it's digital. Oh my goodness, some of the most intimate relationships in times past were through pen pals, where people didn't meet face to face for 50 years. But when they did, they had a relationship. When I was at boarding school, locked away on lockdown as a youth, they would hand out letters in assembly every morning. And I can't tell you the anticipation that somebody would have written to me. It made my whole week that if somebody called out my name and threw a letter to me, it made my whole week. I would scurry off to an isolated place and read that letter. Because there is a power of connection in the chat, in the comment section, in the community, and the connect pages that we have. And people don't realize that because when you do get face-to-face, -face, panaim el panaim, at the feasts and festivals, you'll already have built that relationship. So I do think it's of great value. We need to realize that we live in a modern world and take advantage of some of the great things that are happening, even though those would try and say that they're not. You see, right now, we see here the final succession in chapter 13 of worldly empires. And what you're seeing is you're seeing this, this boiling cauldron of water being stirred up. And it's chaotic. And it's confusing. And it is a bubbling cauldron of witchcraft that has 
being manufactured, uh, the witch's brew of the nations, the, the seas of the nations, it's being stirred up and it's pitting humanity against humanity. It is a recipe of division to bring in calamity and disaster and they're going to tip the whole pot over on all of us. What am I talking about? Oh, you're so, you're so dramatic, Matthew. This is so dramatic. This is so dramatic. Look, the sea is a symbol of how today's unregenerate humanity is all stirred up in a seething cauldron. A seething cauldron of contention and confusion. It is confounded in the national tension and social strife that we are seeing manifest all over the world today. Isaiah the prophet spoke about it in the 57th chapter in the 20th verse. The wicked are like the troubled sea which cannot, are they resting? Do they have any peace? Because they have no hope. Their hope is in their particular agenda. Our hope is resurrection. Our hope is a different kingdom. Our hope isn't being a 14th Amendment citizen, but being citizens of another country. So we're different. We're so vastly different. Isaiah 57 verse 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Are we there? Are we in this period? I suggest that we are. Revelation chapter 17 verse 15 says, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth, They are peoples, they are multitudes, they are nations, they are tongues. Look at verse 3 of chapter 13. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the earth marveled after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon who gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And verse 5, And there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given to him to continue 42 months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against Yahuwah to blaspheme his name and his temple and them that dwell in heaven. Now, In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it is written, For our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Master, Yahushua Messiah. We have a different hope that takes us out of the cauldron. So when it all seems brewing up and so oppressive, and so despondent, and so hopeless, hey, jump out of the cauldron. Because we have a different 
different citizenship. We have a different hope and a future. They that have no hope and future, they can't get out of the cauldron of tensions and contentions, and they're stuck. And that's what we're seeing manifest in the world today. But our citizenship is in heaven, in the Shamaim, and it is powerful. Look at verse 7. And it was given to him to make war with the Israelite saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all tribes and tongues and nations. And all that dwell in the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the scroll of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man has an ear, let him hear. He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the endurance and the faith of the Israelite saints. We are now in the time of our endurance. We must build our endurance. We must build our stamina for the time in which we do live. And verse 11, and I looked and another beast came up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. And he causes the world and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. We are getting a lot more information now that I hope to unpack. Verse 13. And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from the heaven into the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwell in the earth by means of those signs which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to those that dwell in the earth that they should make an image to the beast who had the wound by a sword and did live. Verse 15. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell except that he wear a mask, or that the name of the beast, even the multitudes who have his name. Okay, so I'm adding a, but you get what I'm saying, right? Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. You see, you have to understand the days in which we live. Because here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding consider the multitude of the beast. For it is the multitude of a man. And his multitude is encoded 666. <laughs> I mean, we are living in some weird and crazy, crazy times where the world is offering us saviors in all kinds of forms, all kinds of shapes, and all kinds of, sa um, of, of, of sizes, right? 
The mask is going to save you. Put a mask on, it will save you from the virus. Take the vaccination, it's going to save you. Even to the absurd. Vote for Biden, he's going to save you. Black Lives Matter, well, that will save you from racial prejudice. Well, Antifa, well, they're going to save you from Trump. All of these falsities are part of the breakdown of social discourse where people can't even have a civil conversation with one another. It's all part of the shut-up culture, the cancel culture. If you say something that I disagree with, I'm going to try and counsel you out, shut you up. Where is social discourse? Where is dialogue? What happened where people could have different opinions and we could have an educated discussion without people getting hostile? But today, ignorance abounds. And when a culture is no, no longer able to communicate clearly with one another, you have rioting on the streets, damaging people and damaging property. And I don't care any way you slice it. If you damage property and you damage person, that is a crime. Simple as that. Leave the rest of us alone that aren't damaging people and aren't damaging property. Because if we're not doing that, we're not committing crimes, okay? So the whole reality of the world that we live in, it has gone upside down, it is topsy-turvy. Why is this so? Because the council culture, the culture in which we do find ourselves worldwide, has been struck with bloody madness. They have been struck with madness and blindness and the astonishment of the heart, because these are the very curses that would fall in the end days upon a disobedient and godless generation, and we have arrived at that moment in history. Deuteronomy prophesies it in the 28th chapter and the 29th verse, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in the darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall always be pressed down and spoiled forever, and no man shall save you. Nothing that they will present to you is going to save you, because no man will save you. So anything that they offer as a savior is going to fail utterly. It's time to look to the only savior, and he sits upon the right hand of the throne, interceding for us daily. But they, they cannot see, for they are blind men groping around at noonday. And they will never find it unless there is the inward change to their present circumstances. Look at verse 18. It says, here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding consider the multitude of the beast. I want us to consider this and spend a little bit of time here because it is the multitude of a man and his multitude is encoded 666. 
there's five interpretations that I would like to present to you today. Don't hate me, but these are five interpretations that I've been mulling around and pondering of the multitude of a man and his multitude is 666. Number one, the persuasive. Number two, the peculiar. And I've got three kind of peculiar ones that I want to put in that section. Number three, the probable. Number four, the tech possible. And number five, the textual. So we're going to be looking at five interpretations for this multitude of a man and his multitude is encoded 666. The persuasive, the peculiar, the probable, the tech possible, and the textual. But within the peculiar, I've got three weird ones that I wanted to bring forth. So let's start with number one, the persuasive. And we'll start with, of course, Jared Kushner. Because he's been brokering in the past the most expensive real estate deal in history for a building which I found quite interesting that was marked with the mark of the beast, 666 Fifth Avenue, New York. And any way you slice it, the Soros-Kushner-Trump connection is truly antichrist in its brokerage. It's a levering, a leveraging position that is coming from that particular area of the country any way you slice it. You see, Kushner has absolutely, as we know, no political or foreign policy experience in any way, shape, or form. Yet, somehow he finds himself in the position of brokering peace in the Middle East. How did that happen? Well, being a longtime friend of Benjamin Netanyahu does have its advantages in the Antichrist synagogue of S.A. Tan agenda. Now, according to the prophecy, the man who makes peace in the Middle East, albeit a false peace, could possibly be the biblical Antichrist from the book of Daniel and Revelation. So, the persuasive is keep an eye on that character. Keep an eye. Now, let's get into the peculiar. Now, I've got three weird ones within this section. We'll start with the weirdest. Well, I don't know if this is the weirdest, but we'll start with one from my home country. Prince Charles of Wales. Prince Charles of Wales. Now, in the Hebrew, this is pronounced Nasi. Nasi, Charles Mem Wales. Now, just bear with me before you switch off here. Give me a break. The Hebrew pronunciation would equal 666 in Gematria. Prince Charles of Wales actually does equate to 666 in English and Hebrew and Greek forms. Any way you slice it. Designated in Gematria as 666 in three languages. It's got to make you kind of wonder. Now, when translated from English into Hebrew and then compared to Gematria, it still equals 666. So, like I say, any way you slice it, it, you do get this kind of thought that I'm presenting to you. Now, there have been seven Charleses in the past as emperors of the Holy Roman Empire. 
seven kings, if you will. Yet this beast, being also an eighth, and is one of the seven, Prince Charles of Wales is the qualifier here, which is really weird to me, even if you're not buying this interpretation. Look, they all have the name Charles. They do. Prince Charles will be the eighth when he rules over the ancient Holy Roman Empire, which would be the modern European Union that's in freefall right now looking for a king. Now, how is he one of the seven? Well, he is a direct descendant of Charles VI through the Habsburg line. So he does qualify according to the prophecy in all of these areas as weird an interpretation as it is. You see, the beast is a composite creature depicting the past, whereas the body is that of a leopard, the feet that of a bear, and the head, the mouth, is that of a lion. Now, these are the past emperors of the Roman Empire. They were from France, leopard, Germany, bear, and England, lion. So you can see how this then is manifest today with a heraldic beast. This is the very definition of the heraldic beast. And you can actually look at the College of Heraldy, and it has existed for the past 500 years. And it matches the exact description within the pages of the apocalyptic. The dragon comes from the flag of Wales. Okay, the red dragon dates back to the ancient Romans. Britannia was the head of the Western Roman Empire, and the symbol of Roman antiquity was, in fact, the red dragon. So you can see the symbology here, and the geometria, any way you slice it, and the seven and the eighth being of this, it, it's... I can see how you could want to keep an eye on that slippery little character. It's also the symbol that was seen by John to give the beast his power, throne, and great authority. You know, the throne that Kevin Spacey and Epstein's madam were just recently the photograph surfaced of them sitting on. Because this is all connected to the abominations of the kings of the earth. And I have young children in here, so I don't need to explain any further why those two characters were sitting on that throne. Because it's all part of the same vein of Antichrist. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try, test the spirits to see if they are from Yahuwah. Because many of these little characters are going to manifest and go out into the world. So keep your eyes peeled. We've got five interpretations, and three of them are particularly weird. Here's another weird one. Because recently we have a Kiwi. I don't know if he's a Kiwi. Maybe he's an Aussie. But he's from that neck of the woods who's calling himself the Moshiach. 
the Messiah, the Mashiach. And he believes that he's the fulfillment of biblical prophecy in an esoteric kind of new age falsification. Even going so far as claiming to be England's true king. He goes by Joseph Gregory Hallett. Now, nobody's going to believe total BS. I mean, baloney sandwich. So you've got to mix in some truth in there. And he does just that. You see, he mixes in the truth that the fact that the monarchy was broke in the early 19th century. And so, because they were in such a financially destitute situation, they did, in fact, sell breeding rights to the Rothschilds. So you now live in a world of royal bastards. That's true. There's the truth that's mixed in the witch's cauldron, of which he then goes on to say that he is the Moshiach. When in reality, he would be a Moshiach Naged in the Hebrew, Antichrist. Moshiach Naged really means one who stands in place of Messiah. I don't actually think that this guy is the anti-Messiah, but I do think he has presented himself as one who is standing in place of Messiah and vocalized that. So that would be a Moshiach Neged. He's just another one of the slew of characters that qualify under Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Moshiach, the Christ, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must occur, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in different places, and these are the beginning of sorrows. I think we are at this particular point in history, which brings me to the third weird character. And that, of course, is Kanye West. Kanye West, of course, has claimed the Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, top spot, in my opinion. So take heed that no man, Kanye West, deceive you, even if he's just announced his presidential run for 2020. Or is it 2024? Let's look at this guy just for a minute, because it really is quite scary, especially in light of those swimming in the Kool-Aid and in light of the recent events of Black Lives Matter, where they're looking for an idol, they need an image, and there's one ready for the picking. He appeared on the front of Rolling Stone magazine with a crown of thorns, a bloodied crown of thorns, and it was entitled The Passion of Kanye West. That is blasphemy. There are multitudes 
and multitudes of our dear deceived brethren in the Christian church that believe that this guy has had an authentic conversion. There are many Christian pastors, even Calvary Chapel pastors, I'm ashamed to say, that say, hey, cut this guy some slack, man. He's had a real conversion. Okay, well then I have a question to ask you. Why hasn't he repented of being on the front of Rolling Stone and saying and having a picture like that presented of himself? In 2006, this clown, when he came out on his Yeezus tour, his Yeezus tour, and he named his album the Yeezus album, he said this, I know he's the most high, but I'm a close high. That is blasphemy, and he just qualified himself for Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14. I will go up above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. That's a close high. He just qualified himself right there for Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14. It is astounding to me that Calvary Chapel pastors are saying that this guy needs to be cut a break and that he had a real conversion. If he did have a real conversion, he would be repenting of such blasphemy. But there are many out there that are untaught and unskilled in the scriptures and they are swimming in the Kool-Aid and they're looking for an idol, an image that they can lift up that goes with all their politics. And you know what? This guy's ready to run for the White House. Let's have a look because, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm slanted here. He said, I am God. The book of Jesus' Bible he came out with, and he replaces God with Kanye West. He's got his Sunday service thing going on now. I mean, if the Kardashians end up in the White House, I'm going to have to connect with Elon Musk and see if I can get to Mars. Because, you know... (laughs) We can't have the Kardashians in the white. But you know what? There's a whole bunch of people out there would would, would like that because it would go with their agenda. He said this. Hip-hop is a religion. The rappers are the preachers. The music is the scriptures and the concert. Well, that's church. He is supported by Hundreds of thousands of Christians that are so excited about his conversion. This is such deception. This is a character that qualifies under Matthew 24, verse 4's top spot, in my humble opinion. He said this, I have a medium connection to the spirits, the ability to channel. That's what he said. Kanye West's Sunday service is insane demonology. Speaking about his mania, he said this. At my lowest point, God was sending me visions. He told us in interviews, he said, 
that he sold his soul to the devil. He's already told you what brokering he's done. Then he sings in one of his songs, quote, Sorry for the night demons that still visit me. How could any reader of the scripture that has the spirit of Yahweh fall for this guy possibly being a believer? And in his album, Jesus is King, he says, on God, on God. That means swearing on the name of Yahuwah. That's blasphemy. In James chapter 5, verse 12, it says, But before all things, my brothers, do not swear, neither by heaven or by the earth, nor any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into condemnation. It is absolutely disgraceful that Christians believe that this person, Kanye West, has had a qualified salvific experience with what has come out of his mouth and what he has done he is the top spot qualifier for just another candidate for matthew 24 verse 4 do not be deceived and now he's threatening to come into the white house in a time of course where there is so much tension in the witch's cauldron of the seething seas of the nations. This is all part of the end time apocalyptic. One thing I do know about Kanye West, he is under the spirit of Balaam, the son of Beor, and he's a real ass. He is more like Cain West than Kanye West. He is of the devil, wicked and godless. And that's going to cause a lot of problems for some of you out there that have just become so entrenched in the narratives of the nations. But let's move on to the more probable of the 666. This is the more probable, and this isn't the Greek language that we see here in the text, but it is an actually a character that John saw in his vision and then he copied that character down into his text and it was mistakenly translated by translators as 666 but in reality it's the Arabic character Bismala which means in the name of Allah. Now, if you compare the Greek symbols translated in the Bible as 666 and then compare it with the traditional Mohammedan gold symbol, Arabic for Allah, or in the name of Allah, Bismala, when turned and mirrored, and then you add to it the interesting element of two crossed swords, which are the symbol of Islam, you can see that he could have literally had a vision and saw this character and then written it down. So the 666 could actually be both Islam and in the name of Allah. Now, this contextually does actually make most sense to me, and it's the most probable, because 
in John's day, he was using Caesar worship as his backdrop for the Moshiach Neged prophecies, the anti-Messiah prophecies. Those that, if they refuse to name the name or take the mark of the name, they would suffer the consequences. Well, you can see this very much so with the Bismala, and I think that this is a very strong candidate. In fact, somebody that did a, a far more in-depth teaching on it, and you can look at it online, I believe his name is Wally Schobert, and he, he brought this forth quite a long time ago. Are you familiar with this? No. Well, you should check it out. Are you? No, it's very interesting. Have a look at that. I think that's the more probable that it is the mark of the beast there is the Bismala. And if you do not take on the Bismala, then you would find you come under the sanction of the sword, which is contextually a lot more of the, the mindset of John in the apocalypse of what he was dealing with, Caesar worship, and what was going on back then. Let's look at the fourth possibility, and this I've named the tech possible. And uh, especially in light of the COVID-19 world that we live in, this is a possibility. The AI-powered verification using the latest in biometric technology, cryptocurrency accessible only to the holders, Will it be through implantable microchips or electronic tattoos for payments? We spoke just a few weeks ago about the luciferous, the luciferous, the bioilluminescence, which they could use now. You're seeing that you can't buy and sell without wearing a mask. Well, they're going to move that into, I believe, you will not be able to buy and sell without the luminescence mark of a health verification. That, I believe, is going to be 2021. They're going to be rolling that out, and they're setting you all up by saying, well, get used to it. You cannot buy and sell unless you wear a mask. Then the mask will be removed, and then it will be you will not be able to buy and sell without the Luciferous, the health verification tag, which will be a molecular thing on your skin. This is all very tech possible, which will all be about monitoring vital health signs, general health, keyless entry, and the mass interaction of that with your smart device. And the new update on the Apple phone, of course, has got the COVID-19 tracker. So these are very much on the horizon. You're looking at quantum computing that could possibly take over as AI reaches sentient level intelligence and permeates every device. We live in a pretty, pretty tech probable world, don't we? I mean, AI is already almost in full control of running the world's systems. And because of its vast intelligence and intimate knowledge of everyone and everything through social media, and of course, all the Google tracking platforms, how long until the dimwits think that AI is some kind of god or begin worship, worshiping it as a god through permanent virtual reality integration therapy because everybody is crying out 
for a savior. Just give me the image that I want is what they say. You know, what is this? This is nothing other than a manufacture from ancient days by the synagogue of Satan that is being presented to you through artificial intelligence. What do I mean? It's full world governments in a human form. AI will instruct humanity to design a golem, a golem with the appearance of whatever you want that golem to be, which in, then infuses and brings to life that golem to become the world leader and chief political ruler. Revelation chapter 13, verses 14 through 15. Now, defunding the police is, of course, paving the way for this type of artificial intelligence where you're no longer going to have a human police force because they can make, you know, errors, that you'll have something that is programmed and it will be an artificial intelligence security out on the streets. They're already thinking about doing this in some cities in California, bringing out this in light of the defund police movement that's going on nationwide today. And of course, the synagogue of Satan is behind this golem model. So what is a golem? A golem is an artificial creature created by magic to serve its creator. And it's actually a word that you find in the Bible. Psalm 139, verse 16, we find the Hebrew word golem, gimel lamed mem sofit. Let's look at it, find its biblical context, and then wrap your head around some crazy stuff that I think is on the horizon that we need to be aware of in light of the number of the man, 666. Psalm 139, verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance. Now think about it. This is about manufacturing a form. Okay, manufacturing a form out of witchcraft and then breathing life into it and allowing it to control. But it's a fabrication. It's a total invention. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being golem, unperfect. Golem, unperfect. And in thy book... All my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. The Hebrew word golem stands for a shapeless mass in modern parlance. Unperfected artificial intelligence. It's imperfect. Unperfected artificial intelligence. Now, the Talmud uses the word as unformed or imperfect. And according to Talmudic legend, and it's just Talmudic bologna sandwich, but it is Talmudic legend, Adam is called golem, meaning body without a soul. That's what they have written in Sanhedrin 38b. And that was for the first 12 hours 
of Adam's existence, according to their legend, right? We know that's not true. But in Talmudic legend, the synagogue of Satan even goes so far as to say that Jeremiah, the prophet, made a golem. You see, they manufacture all this kind of stuff. We are at this place where, is it Yahweh's mark or is it Satan's mark? There is a real division between the sheep and the goats, is there not? A real division out there. You see, the synagogue, of, uh, the synagogue of Satan, they are so occult to believe once the golem had been made, physically made, all they had to do was write the letters, Aleph, Mem, Tav, which is Emet, truth, on the golem's forehead, and then the golem would come alive. That's what they believe. For thousands of years, this golem figure has been a part of Judaism, a big part of the synagogue of Satan. Why? Because ultimately, it's in the whole permeation. It's permeated throughout the history of mankind to lead up for the acceptance of a golem, an artificial, unperfected, intelligence system. Let me explain. Look, Aleph Mem Tav would be written on the Golan's head. And then that would mean truth. And then that truth would then bring forth the Goman, the Golem, excuse me, to life. Now, if you erase the Aleph, if you erase the Aleph, you are left with just the Mem Tav. What does that mean? Death. Death, Maveth, Maveth. You see, now if you go to Acts chapter 19, you find these wicked characters, the seven sons of Sceva. Well, what were they up to? They were messing around with the golem. They were messing around with the golem. They were trying to bring a golem to life as to write Yahweh's name on parchment and stick it in the golem's arms or mouth, and that would bring their ministry to life. That's what they were trying to barter with. And they were what? Found wanting, were they not? And then they could remove it, and then they could stop the golem believing that they had ultimate control over the unperfected substance that they had created. And that's what mankind is now at with artificial intelligence, believing that they have ultimate control by writing truth or death on it, that they can control it. They can give it truth, life, whenever they want. And if it gets crazy, they'll just pull the plug and it will collapse, and it will be, be death. But it won't work that way, brethren. We know it, but this is their golem reality. It's no different than with the sons of Sceva. Look at the narrative. Now, in Ashkenazi law, the golem would come back to life and serve his creators by doing tasks that were assigned to him. Now, Rabbi Judah... Leo ben Bezial, 
very interesting name, the Mahal of Prague created a golem out of clay to protect the Jewish community from blood libel and to help out doing physical labor back in yonder years. That's a reality, a fact in history. Now, the golem, according to their folklore, ended up running amok and threatening innocent lives. So, of course, Rabbi Leo removed the divine name, rendering the golem useless. All that to say this, if you're still tracking with me. The beast infused political ruler institutes the mark which could be a one-world cashless ID system, a health-tracking system, which finalizes a merger between man and machine. And if you refuse, it's punishable by death. And they believe that by them writing their laws, their truth, their narrative, they can infuse life into the imperfect substance that they've created. And if it gets away from them, that they will just write death and pull the plug. But we know that once they go down that road, it will turn on them and they will be screaming for death. But they shall not find it. Will it be vaccinations? Will it be the Luciferous? We are in this time, in the next year, where we really do need to be extremely vigilant, extremely vigilant with all the substances and forms that are shapeless right now that are being erected and they are trying to breathe life into it by the truth of their laws their executive orders. An executive order is called an executive order because it is not a law. Otherwise, it would be called an executive law. For an executive order to become law, it has to go to the legislature and be voted on. Come on, people. It's called intimidation through ignorance and acquiescence. You acquiesce to stupid, you become stupid. Wake up. It's still America. It's still America. And I'm an American. Unbelievable how quick the people capitulate to folly and give up everything that has been fought for for hundreds of years. Well, stand. And if you can still stand, stand. The mark will be pushed out, much like vaccinations, as vital because it will help in the tracking and surveillance of disease and the prevention of crime, which is why the social distancing is six feet in particular. Well, it's really because they've got no clue what the metric system is, so we go with feet, right? But no, six feet, why? Because that is the distance that you need to be able to track people in a crowd. Artificial intelligence can't could track you if you're compacted, but if you're six feet apart, it's easy to track, and this is all part 
of that system that is being rolled out into the future. But let's get with number five and get textual. What is the more textual of this 666? The number of Melech Shlomo. It's the number of Solomon. Look, 666 in simplicity is the number of a man. It's the number of Solomon. What do I mean? 666 is mentioned as part of a list of people returning from Babylon. Now get me here, because the number of Solomon, which is 666, and the number of people returning from Babylon is Yahweh trying to communicate to us through the scripture of the substance of what this 666 will be. So sometimes, you know, like I'm having a little bit of fun with you today. You know, Kanye West, Jared Kushner, Prince Charles. We've got, you know, this Australian or Kiwi guy. But let's not focus on the person. Now, let's look at the characteristics of the 666 and look at it this way, because this is also something that will give us wisdom, okay? Ezra chapter 2, verse 12, okay? Because this is the number 666 of the people returning from Babylon. Because we know that this is where the mystery religion, Babylonian, Talmudic, Judaism came from, the Ashkenazi synagogue of Satan, golem manufactured religion. Ezra 2.12, the sons of Asgad, 1,222, the sons of Adonikam, 666, the sons of Bigvi, 2,056. Okay, so 666 is associated with coming out of Babylon, because if you're in Babylon or mystery Babylon, you're part of the beast system. That's why Come out of her, my people. This is our time to come out of that system. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13. 666 is the number of the man, and the man is Melech Shlomo, King Solomon. Now the weight of gold which came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. That's about 50,000 pounds of gold. Besides that, which the traders and merchants bought, traffickers, they're trafficking, okay? We now live in a time, Ezekiel 28, where they're trafficking in men's souls, okay? And all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. How about Melachim Aleph, 1 Kings chapter 10, Verse 14. Now the weight of the gold which came to Solomon in one year was six, six, six talents of gold. Now, notice in the narrative of First Kings chapter 10, verse 14, some things really characteristically stand out to me in light of the Bismala, in light of what I've already said. We've got the 666 talents of gold. We've got that he is trading, verse 11, with Arabs, and it's merchant trading, trading souls, if you will, with the kings of Arabs. 
verse 23, we see that King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth. So it's got to do with all the kings of the earth, which is an end-time apocalyptic. And then in verse 24, all the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon. So everybody was looking for the 666. Okay? And look at verse 25. They brought every man his gift. What happens when they slay the two witnesses? What's going to be happening? So you can see how now this gift giving, it's all tied in with the mark of the beast, the 666, which is the number of the man. And Solomon is a type and shadow of that man. Trading. Trafficking, souls, giving of gifts, the bismala. We are looking at all the characteristics. Look at First Kings chapter 11 verse 1 and we'll even see more. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Whoring with the nations, another characteristics. And then what happened? Those women, they turned his heart away after their gods. What do we see now today? Men's hearts are being turned away from the Creator and turned to all the presentments of the images of whatever they can come up with. And it's idolatry. Many of these movements, they're they're idols to a godless, hopeless generation because they're looking for a savior. They're looking for a savior in the form and substance of a golem. And the synagogue of Satan will say, it's true. And they'll breathe life into it. Whatever they can do to get somebody to follow a golem. It could be Black Lives Matter. It could be Antifa. It could be politics. It could be president this, president that. Anything to get you to put your hope in a man. The man is the savior. The system is the savior. The mask is the savior. The vaccination is the savior. It's all a golem. They'll resurrect it and they'll collapse it just like that and set the snare. It's a golem. Because it's a synagogue of Satan construct to lead the wicked into a trap. But only the saints have a savior who is not a man. He came in the likeness of man, but his substance is from a different origin. He's the bread of heaven. This is powerful stuff, is it not? Look at verse 4 of 1 Kings chapter 11. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to Yahweh his Elohim, as the heart of David. We need to have our hearts wholly devoted to Yahweh. We cannot be split, because if we're split, you're full for a golem. We have to be fully committed to the Savior. We have to be fully committed all in with Yahuwah. We cannot be a divided house. We have to be fully committed to Yahuwah in these days and 
in this year. Verse 6 of 1 Kings chapter 11, we find, of course, Solomon did what was evil in the sight of Yahuwah. That is the characteristic of the man whose name and number is 666. What do we see with Solomon as a type and shadow of the number of the man? Solomon increased in military might, did he not? Are the nations trying to create that golem of military might right now? Solomon intermarried with the rulers of other countries. That's called globalism. That's called globalism, breaking down Israel's national borders. It's called the melting pot of humanity. Solomon gathered up lots of wealth. That's called a universal basic income. Nesara and Jesara. This is all part of the 666. Six. The PPP, sign up for it today. It's going to save your business. It's going to save you from going destitute. The government will save you. The golem that they've constructed will save you. He honored other gods from countries around him rather than honoring Yahuwah. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of Yahuwah. These are the key things a world ruler would need to do to gain power and maintain peace. Aren't they? These are the characteristics that we find in the scripture. Solomon is the type and anti-type for a set of world leaders who will arise that will seem to be as wise, as respected as Solomon, working to bring peace and prosperity to the world. By implosion of the fiat currency, which I think we'll see in the near future, and the resurrection of a new global cryptocurrency, they'll amass wealth, They'll build a strong global military and promote universalism, leading to limiting the ability to buy or sell as a means of power and control. And already now, you cannot buy or sell unless you wear a mask. And so therefore, it's very easy to take the next step and turn the burner up on the frog just a little bit more. World leaders with true wisdom, is how they will be presented to you as a golem, but whose values, peace, and safety are more in line with the occult than in line with the true peace, the Prince of Peace, Yahusha. He is our all in all, and it's time for all of us to be where we should be with our first love, because no man will save you because it is him who sits at the right hand of the Father who came in the likeness of man, whose flesh was not from the dust, but the bread from heaven that gives us the true hope. But if you have no hope, then 
a golem could appear pretty good to you. That's where the world's at today. And Revelation chapter 13 is a reality check for the believers. Would you accept a universal basic income? Would you accept Nisara and Jesara? There's a lot of people out there that accepted the PPP. Will you accept tyranny? There's no more important time right now than to make the connections that you're making right here online right now. In the chat, in the comments, and at Torah to the Tribes forward slash connect. I may be able to get to some of your chat questions today, but I have a special guest here in studio today, and that is Tamara Salerno the servant of Yah's wife and her son, Joshua. And Tamara Salerno has been doing a great work hosting, of course, the TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. And she's going to come up and chat with us a little bit about some of the goings on. And I am looking forward to it. So let's uh, invite you on up. Come on up and uh, take a seat here and... Uh, Welcome, welcome. Yes, put you on the hot spot. And uh, let's go over here on that camera up there. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's really a blessing to be here tonight. And uh, I am so excited about what Yahoo is doing with uh, Torch of the Tribes ministry. And he's really getting the word out. And the platforms are doing so, um, such amazing. It's great to connect with all of you. And Matthew just kind of asked me to give you a little bit of heads up on what is going on. So um, we'll start with our Shabbat Fellowship um, platform. We actually are sending out over 663 emails a week. But not 666. I'm not glad 666. she just reduced that number for three because <laughs> that would just not look good for us. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, just even in the month of June, we added 33 new people um, onto our Shabbat Fellowship email. So that's really exciting. And our Facebook page has just reached over 1,000. And seven. So that is really exciting. So we're reaching out to all of you. And we do uh, thank you for all your encouraging words, all of the uh, teachings Matthew's doing, the portions we're connecting on, and encouraging each other through that Facebook page has just been um, amazing. Uh, on Shabbat morning, we have our fellowship at 9 o'clock, and that has about 60 to 70 people attending a week. And um, Matthew's on every six weeks, so if you really have a personal question you want to hit to him, every six weeks on Shabbat Fellowship. Um, and the Shabbat Fellowship, quite honestly, it is thoroughly enjoyable. I just sit there in my pajamas with a cup of coffee and Marmite on toast, and I see a lot of you doing the same. Maybe not the Marmite on toast, but I highly recommend it. But it really is a great time of just kicking back and visiting, and um, there's always prayer, sometimes even mm -hmm. song, and it really is a great Great connections. I've made more connections through the Torah to the Tribes forward slash connect uh, platforms and Zoom than I ever, ever thought possible. Ever thought possible. And we were talking about this this morning, and it's so different than the traditional church model. Because in reality, and this is our failing in the past, you know, if you just look 
this message being the true message it is going to be unpopular so if we just focus it on a geographic location all the people oh around here in the neighborhood how many really are going to be coming and listening to the truth no it's only going to be a scattered remnant and that means worldwide and to be able to reach people worldwide you've got to be able to do digital and then make the connections and try and bring people to the feasts amen and that is what is happening so we're i mean i just call out a few of your names because i know you're watching alita from the netherlands has been very faithful we're seeing yeshub from australia Austria, um, Joy from India, and many of our friends from Canada are reaching us, and we are having deeper relationships. They're connecting even outside of the platform to uh, connect to people in their own area. So it is, Yahweh is really drawing uh, people together. And a lot of times on our Shabbat Fellowship, yes, it's praise and thanksgiving and prayer, but we're also discussing your teachings and then all, um, how can we apply Yahweh's word in our lives. So we're, we're really trying to walk it out together. And that's it. It's, <clears throat> you know, I hope that these teachings are a blessing to you. I know that you are truly a blessing to me. Um, but we want to walk this out, you know. And I know I get somewhat carried away with uh, my excitement. But ultimately, it, it needs to be walked out in our daily life, which is an admonishment, sometimes a warning. But also, just we want that connection. We need the connection with the Savior. We need to be fully, fully ded dedicated in our heart to Yahuwah. And then that will be manifest in all of our relationships. Yes. And so we can move on to the Covenant Calendar platform? Yes, yes. All right, so our Covenant Calendar meets on, fr on Friday nights and Saturday mornings. And we are sending about 594 emails each week. We had 10 people join in June. We have a Facebook page there of over 626. 626 <laughs> members good. on our Facebook. They're averaging about 40 to 50 attendants. Um, so we've taken a little new turn in our covenant calendar, which we're really excited about. Uh, we have some new hosts, um, Jose, Conrad, and Brandon, and they're doing an amazing job in showing teaching about the calendar, but also uh, the spiritual aspects to why we've come to the calendar and prophecy and the end times. And can you tell us a little bit about those three characters that you mentioned and just the difference between these three young men and they all bring something of great value um, to the table, which, you know, I, I know that the calendar can be very complex, mm -hmm. especially to those that are first starting to dig into it. And sometimes you can get so caught up into calculations um, and we just really felt with the ministry, it was uh, just wonderful to be able to have these three men that could come and bring forth the covenant calendar because they both have got a really unique skill set. Can you tell us they a little do. bit they about all that? All three are bringing different um, aspects. Conrad has really been studying the, con the covenant calendar. And so he brings more like the math and, and the understanding of how we've calculated the calendar where Jose, I feel, is really into this, uh, the Ruach HaKodesh. He brings that into where um, that all falls in together. And then Brandon is on fire, has a lot of zeal for the end times, the prophecy that's coming. So I think it's a great combination. And as we move forward, um, we're learning and growing together. Yeah, and, and that's what I like to see, to, to, to bring that life into the Covenant Calendar group. And um, with Jose, like you say, 
the Ruach, the importance of the Ruach, and, and Jose has a sense of, a, of maturity with him. And from what I saw with um, Conrad, again, you do need to understand the math and the technical aspects of it, and that takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of study, and we have that, and to be able to answer those technical questions. And, and Brandon, well, Brandon is just, you know, I love that guy, spoken to him a lot, and his passion and zeal for Yahweh is just, just, I love that youth, I love that vigor, I love that zeal, and very, very connected to what's happening in the end times and prophecy. But uh, man, I think together, the three of them is very well balanced, and I, I'm really excited. So you guys, just keep up the good work. Blessings to you, and blessings on that great group right and there. And I do think we can give a uh, recognition. Tim and Charlene gave us a good foundation. Oh, solid. And yes. now we're, and we're moving very into thankful a, new, for that. Um, yes. a new aspect Yes, we do so, not despise our humble beginnings, do amen. we? Amen. And I just pray that you guys um, that are listening tonight would, would really take up that join, even if you don't join every week. Just come in and uh, see what's going on. We'll move to our men's gathering next. So Don Whirl has been a faithful brother who is so, uh, he has a great understanding of the Melchizedek teaching. And right now we have 57 emails um, each week uh, for men that are coming in. Six new um, men joined us last month. And really the platform is to encourage men to walk in the Melchizedek priesthood. They discuss men's topics and, um, you know, how to be a strong man in today's tough times. It's very, I hear such great um, testimonies. And that is on the first and third Monday of every month. Now, how does that connect to um, the, the, new, the new ministry we've got going on in the prisons? So uh, we have had some uh, prison um, chaplain uh, ask uh, us if we can download our teachings. So we are downloading our teachings to them. But uh, one of the brothers has um, stepped up to do a Zoom meeting for the prisoners um, there, and that's just developing right now. So, okay. but we're reaching more people. And we're going into men's prison and women's men's prison. Men's and women's right, right now. So, so that is fill in, fill in the gospel mission mm-hmm. in and these end times. Any of your chaplains that are wanting to um, have some teachings through their um, pr- prisons now could reach out at Shabbat at Torch of the Tribes, and we will connect now that we have some people in place for that. Great, so great. Very great. excited about that. And our sisters gathering, well, this is just like my heart because I love gathering with all the sisters. Uh, we have 174 emails going out each week, each month, and 19 new people joined in June. Um, so we're averaging about 25 to 30 people in attendance, but we are igniting women's lives with the word of Yahuwah. Praise And God. it is just Praise exciting because we have different facilitators or presenters, than, and this month we are... Um, the title is Yahweh's Design for Women, that we're using Skip Moen's um, book, The Guardian of the Angels, um, as we minister to each other. And that's on the first and third Tuesday of every month. Which is a great book. Read it, taught on it back in the past, and of course met Skip, and he's, he's taught at Torah to the Tribes. And it's, it's very empowering, very empowering for women. I think it's very empowering for men, too, that a man would know that he would have his Bissarechad, one flesh, and um, that, that's a very, very good study, study book. Yeah, I, we are very much enjoying it. And we have different topics every month in regards to issues that women are dealing with right now in this crazy world. And so we'll move on to the youth. The youth yes. is so exciting because we have our next generation that we need to help them. And 
Right now we have 37 emails going out, three new um, people that have joined this month. Um, it is on the first and third Wednesday of every month. I just want to encourage you, if you have any youth between the ages of 11 and 17 that need to have encouragement with other people in their, um, in their age category, this is truly a good place to be. They have fun. They discuss topics that are um, definitely scriptural topics. Um, and uh, they do have a lot of fun together. So I want to encourage Excellent. you to enjoy your, have your children join. Um, the other thing we have is the prayer gathering, gathering platform. And this platform is twofold. One is to receive prayer requests. So if any of you have prayer requests that you would like um, our team to pray for, please email them to prayergathering at tourtothetribes.com. And um, we, they will be praying for you. The other part of it is they actually have a prayer team. So if you want to join the prayer team, just email us or go to Connect page, and you will get all the information that if you sign up for the email um, list. Um, Deborah Bond has been the facilitator of that and is doing a fabulous job in just being faithful and praying for all of us, you, your family, the Torture Drive Ministry, and all the platforms. They've really been uh, praying for the saints. So it is our, uh, Yahweh is gathering. He is gathering. People. Yeah, we can and see that. And we're connecting more personally through a more intimate um, time in these different platforms. I mean, so I'm praising Yahweh. In, in all my years of ministry, you know, um, what I see now, is, it, 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 it blows my mind because in the past there was so much naysaying about digital platforms that you can't really make friendships and connections. Well, I've seen the absolute opposite with people. I've abs uh, and I've experienced it too. I've experienced. I've prayed with people that I've never actually panaim panaim face to face met, but I've met them face to face through a computer, mm. and it's of great value. Or getting into um, email correspondence, which is like you know the modern day version of a pen pal, and really making those connections. Where in the past, and it's unfortunate to say, you know, here at Torah to the Tribes, when we, you know, had um, more people and we had more of a church setting, people just passing in the aisles. Or at Calvary Chapel, you just show up just to be seen, passing in the aisles. But when I come here to the studio, we have intimate connections and we have fellowship and we, we break nuts together, don't we? I'm talking peanuts. <laughs> but, you know, we do. And we've got our sparkly waters here. And we, we have a good time talking about all kinds of things. And we pray for one another. And we have Pastor Don here every week that gives us a great word before we get going. And then we make the connections digitally, too. And I see uh, an intimacy that I've never had and friendships that I've not had because we're so much smaller, but we're so much more interconnected. But on the other scale of things, we're so much larger mm -hmm. because we're now using the platform the way, and I believe stewarding it, the way it should have always been stewarded. So yes, it, cool. it truly is a blessing to see how Yahweh is drawing his people. And so just encourage you all yes. to go on tour to the tribes, hit the connect uh, tab, and sign up for all of the uh, platforms so you can be, be connected and also um, meet new people that are probably in your area. People say, well, where's the fellowship finder? 
the fellowship finder is on our platform so come and find your fellow in your area yeah that's the thing and i just want to thank all of you that do support the ministry it really does make the difference for your stewardship and our continual supporters out there thank you so much so many of you contact me and are faithful every week through giving on the push pay app and also through the great United States Postal Service. So again, we're just so thankful and really appreciate all of you tuning in. And again, just so thankful for your husband's legacy. Of course, Mario, the servant of Yah that passed earlier this year. But what you have been able to do as a ministry family is just absolutely amazing. And we are just so blessed and just blessed to have you here today. Thank and thank you. I know. And of so course, Joshua, who's uh, hiding here in the second row. <laughs> and we're not going to embarrass him any further. <laughs> thank you. All right. Baruch Hashem, everybody. Bless the name of Yahweh. We'll catch you next week. And I'll get into the chat next week because I really wanted you to hear the updates. And again, thank you for your support. Give us a thumbs up. And remember, do subscribe to the channel toratothetribes.com forward slash connect to make those connections. And again, we look to forward to seeing you live next week here at Torah to the Tribes. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>